It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violent Island, you got it. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to Tigers and 20 Off the Boards, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast where we bring you breaking news and interviews with players, top recruits, coaches, and influencers from football and basketball across the city of Memphis and around the nation. Now, let's get to the episode. All right, y'all, welcome back to another episode of Go Tigers 247's Off the Boards. Uh, I'm your host and founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and today I'm joined by the first time ever for me, first time to actually get to sit down with you one-on-one as the head coach of the Memphis Tigers football program, Ryan Silverfield. Uh, Ryan, thank you for taking the time to sit down with us today. Thanks so much for having me on, Brooks. I'm excited I can finally make this happen. I appreciate everything you do, not only for our football program, but for Tiger Athletics. I'm excited to be here today. For sure. Well, Ryan, uh, I have a ton to talk to you about. I feel like it's uh, it's a little strange to be in February in the off season and uh, to have so much that could be discussed. Um, so the first thing, it's only been what about a month and a half, maybe. I mean, really, um, not a long time since the end of the season, and a ton has happened. You've filled multiple spots on your staff, and we'll get back to that. You've uh, secured the bag on one of the top recruiting classes or the top recruiting class on some sites uh, in the history of University of Memphis football. Uh, So for you, how would you grade your offseason so far? Yeah, look, obviously it starts with the way that the season ended, obviously disappointed that we weren't able to play the bowl game Uh, and and overall not pleased with the the final results. So that's on me. Uh, Like I've said before, uh, I've got to do a better job. We all got to do a better job. Um, so we're competing for championships at the end of this season coming up. But you know, the offseason has been great. Obviously, we had to replace some guys, key components, uh, starting with the coordinators, but really excited about adding, you know, Tim Cramsey and, and uh, Matt Barnes, as we know, they're, they're two excellent coordinators that we'll talk about, I'm sure, here in a little bit. But uh, be able to add those pieces to the puzzle recruiting. Uh, we found some guys, uh, not just in high school recruiting, but in transfer portal and, and junior college that we think, come and contribute and it's not always day one immediate starters but guys that can make a difference in our program that we're excited about uh the guys are working hard this off season so um look quite pleased with the direction we're heading uh right when we landed back from hawaii it was all hands on deck um pedal to the metal continue to find ways to improve and excited the direction we're heading in 
Ryan, I got, I got to hold your feet to the fire, man. You you answered that was a great answer, but you didn't grade yourself. What's the grade, man? Like, what's the off season grade? Like, if you're gonna give you F to A, what's the what's the grade? Yeah, look, it's uh, I'm I'm pleased with it the way it is, and I'm not one to grade myself because I have no idea how all these things will turn out till uh, probably this time next year. But I'd say, look, we're we're working at at a uh, A minus B plus level, and uh, we we're always striving to get that A plus level, and I think it's the work that we got to continue to do day in and day out. Um, you know, when you're grading the offseason, not only includes the transactions that were made, <laughs> all, you know, in personnel and, and not only with coaches, staff and players alike, but also the work that's being put in. Uh, our guys are working their tails off, but we've got to continue to find ways every day because our standard is excellence in everything we do. And, and look, we're going to strive to reach that every single day, whether we get there or not. Uh, that's to be determined. So you're on the right side of the bell curve. And you, you said a couple things there that really stuck out to me in a perfect transition. So for you, as you're going through that process of trying to make those hires, Tim Cramsey, Cramsey and, uh, and Matt, does one hire influence the other? And how does your culture influence that hiring process? Yeah, you know, one one hire did not uh, necessarily. I, look, I felt we were, I, I figured we were going to have a, a relatively uh, new scheme change on the defensive side. Um, you know, look, I, I was pleased with Coach McIntyre and grateful for everything he did, but I thought it was also time for a new change uh, in the way we do things. That doesn't mean we're not going to still run some three-down stuff and be uh, based out of uh, multiple front defense, but I thought uh, that Matt Barnes was able to bring a different dynamic uh, to our defense, to our scheme, and the way we do things. And so that was a change. And then offensively, we knew we were going to run, you know, similar to what we've run in the past. So I was looking for someone uh, that was willing and able and smart enough to go handle, hey, this is the offensive system we have in place. Let's make tweaks to it to make this better. Uh, but one hire did not influence the other, and nor did they have, uh, in, that, in essence, an effect on the other. But then all that being said, the culture, I think that's important. Uh, look, interviewed you know, almost near 20 candidates for both positions total in total. And um, I was going to do my due diligence. And I think that's important, you know, finding the right fit. Uh, there were guys with longer resumes, uh, you know, they came from other places that may have been more beneficial. I had NFL coaches, NFL coordinators that had reached out to me about coming here. But to me, it was about the right fit for us. And when you talk about our culture, Brooks, I think that's important because what we're trying to do, it's a, every day that we're trying to build this thing. College football, uh, you guys have heard me you know, mention it now to the media quite often. It's ever-changing day by day. And so our culture has to be stronger than it ever has. we got to continue to fight and, and work uh, to build what we want this thing to look like. So those people that I bought into the building, uh, Tim and Matt, you know, match what we want. They were excited about the culture we have built. Uh, they also had other opportunities, but uh, I think adding them to the whole building has made us better. So when, when you come down to the final last couple of candidates, I ask you this question because I've seen it before on the basketball side and not just at the University of Memphis. I, you know, I've talked to uh, dozens and dozens of college basketball assistants and head coaches. So for you as a head football coach, whenever it comes down to it and it gets really tough to differentiate just the minor details with one candidate versus another, What's that core belief for you? The thing about like why you do what you do and how you do it that really sets one candidate apart from another because some guys have a hard time pulling the trigger 
and making a hire because they just don't know that why or the how uh, for themselves. Yeah, I think that's what's important. You know, look, I'm not going to judge necessarily a guy completely. If it all comes down their grade X's and O's and they decide to play cover two and the way they're going to attack a certain safety and, and different leverages, you know, and three special, that's that's not necessarily going to affect, okay, I got to hire this guy or that guy because of one play call. Um, the, once you said get down to the finite details of it, I think it truly is the type of person they are and do they fit for what we want. You know, I want guys that um, are going to pour into our players. And that why is the, the same belief that I have, that they do it for the right reason. Uh, I still believe that, you know, leadership on, on its surface, right, is the, you know, the ability to inspire with the capacity to serve. And I want those people, uh, whoever we hired in those coordinator roles, to be able to have that, right, to, hey, I can't wait to – to pour into these young men to make them better football players, uh, better people off the field, and, and, and buy into the University of Memphis, the culture, um, that have the chip on the shoulder mentality. So I start to look at those and say, okay, is this guy going to mesh well, not only with myself, but with the rest of the staff and then with our players? Because we've got a unique situation here. So I lie at all those things and say, okay, what's the overall best fit? And, you know, we've done the same, and I've talked about in recruiting. I don't just sit there and chase stars, you know? Yeah. Do you want to add a bunch of four and five stars? Absolutely. I think that probably does benefit you, but it's all said and done. Some of our best players since I've been here, the Dustin words, the Calvin Austin's, Anthony Miller's, um, you know, Alan Cross, Joey Magnificos were guys that, you know, weren't really rated that just go out there and do it the right way. And uh, I think we've shown to have success. And I look the same in our staff. Well, so you've talked about culture and the, you know, the kind of personality, the dynamics with, um, you know, really what drives a candidate. So I want to flip that now. And you mentioned recruiting. And I don't know if you saw it or not. We tried to catch up with pretty much every signee for the 2022 class for you guys. Now, we didn't get everybody, but we got pretty close. And you look across the board in every one of those interviews, and those guys mentioned two things, pretty much all of them. Uh, One was related to character. And the other was related to the type of player they are. So character-wise, they mentioned falling in love with the process of just getting better every day and earning that with that process. So no expectations coming in, just working, putting their head down and going to work. So that's a characteristic. On the other side, uh, they mentioned in terms of the type of player that they were, almost all of them said explosive in some sort of sort of synonym to that. Um, so it was really kind of interesting to sit back and see everyone just say the same thing over and over and over again. And so it got me thinking, is this something that these guys have become that good at recognizing? Or is it just happenstance? So is that intentional? Is that something that you guys are out there driving home with them? Or what's the deal there? Yeah, I think it goes both ways, and that puts a gigantic smile on my face to hear that our guys that we're bringing to the program uh, firmly believe that, right? Putting their head down and loving the, the process of becoming better football players, better version of themselves. Um, I think when you get a bunch of like-minded individuals like that that just want to come in and work their freaking tails off, uh, they're going to fight every single day and love the processes of improving and, and competing. That's going to be ultimately really good for us on the football field on Saturdays, and hear that you know you guys have had those conversations without a coach being present that means man there's probably some proof in the pudding that uh, not only uh, has our staff done an excellent job of identifying the right type of young men um, 
but they believe it as well. And, and to me, that's, that's huge. And that's one of those things we're going to constantly want to build and that ultimately creates your culture. So uh, we're searching for it, but I'm glad to hear that they also believe that. And then, you know, explosive, I think that's got to be the ultimate thing, right? You can't sit there and have a bunch of sluggish guys. I don't care uh, if it's an offensive line that weighs 320 pounds, you want an explosive offensive line, right? Uh, we want explosive players on offense, guys that can sit there, uh, whether they got the ball in their hand or they're blocking, they're able to do certain things. We want explosive players on defense, guys that can go make more plays on the ball. We talked about it. I mean, that was something that, uh, you know, we weren't able to do on defense these last few years. It's really uh, create more havoc. And so we wanted guys that were uh, able to run to the ball with bad intentions and do things in a certain manner that will allow us uh, to be overall, you know, create more turnovers and, you know, create controversy for the offense. And I think that's what we'd be able to find. But then when you go back to the circle back to full wagon to the character aspect, that's huge and glad to hear that. Well, I, uh, this is a guy that's coming out of your program. So we're, we're moving a little bit here, but I know you wish you could get another year out of him, but you're just, it's not going to happen. But how proud are you sitting back and watching Calvin Austin just it's it, it baffles me how people could be surprised by this guy and like it, it's it's like where have y'all been? Uh, but how proud of you of you are you know sitting back watching Calvin Austin just blow the socks off people uh, at the Senior Bowl? Yeah, I think that's one of those things. Like you said, it's no surprise to us. Anybody that's watched the way he worked. And that goes back to the type of guy he is, right? You talk about a guy that was only on scholarship for two years at the University of Memphis. Uh, came here as a, a, a small, uh, really small uh, walk-on wide receiver. Their base figure was a track guy that wouldn't be able to stay healthy. Uh, that turned himself into an elite, an elite wide receiver. One of the best to come from Memphis. And you're talking about some uh, comparable names. I mean, I'm not calling him Isaac Bruce, but we've had some great ones come through here. Right? Another walk-on like Anthony Miller that had success and was able to get drafted high. So I think you sit there and talk about some of those guys. Um, Calvin Austin is one of those self-made guys. Credit, full credit to him. He's worked his butt off uh, to get where he has. But, yeah, surely impressive. And you know what I love to hear, Brooks, that was, you know, the two things they said, yeah, we all know he's fast, right? And that, that a lot of that's, you know, hard work and God-given. But to hear that, you know, his work ethic and his intelligence are off the charts, that's what makes me so darn proud. And, uh Know, proud to have the opportunity to one time, you know, I've coached him. I know he'll represent the 901 quite well. Well, we can't talk about strong performers at the Senior Bowl without mentioning Dylan Parham. And I know for you as an offensive line guy, that's near and dear to your heart. It's got to mean a lot to you to see him go out there uh, and, and be able to move some of the big uglies around and make holes for his guys uh, and perform well. So for those out there, that, you know, since Calvin Austin, he's, it's no secret now, you know, he was the talk of the town. He's all over Twitter, but Dylan, Dylan Parham, uh, he, he kind of sneakily flew under the radar, even though he did have a good showing. So for anyone who has not been paying attention, what, what should you expect from Dylan Parham at the next level? Uh, and, and why is he going to make an NFL team? Yeah, so, you know, Dylan's one of those guys that anybody knows. He came to Memphis as a tight end. Then he got moved to defensive line. And then he finally, uh, we were able to take him over the offensive line. And he was only a, with four years ever playing the entire, you know, offensive line his entire career. So if you look at the product that he was able to pull on the field, two-year starter at left guard, starter at right tackle, and a starter at right guard. Uh, so he played all over the offensive line, only played for four years, played at an all-conference level, 
uh, and then goes to the senior ball and asks to snap the ball, which is very, very hard to do. Um, the sky's the limit for him. Right? He's a day two pick um, that's got, you know, plug and play uh, starting ability at the NFL, whether it's at center or guard, uh, who's, you know, went from 256 pounds to 312 pounds. A mean, nasty, athletic machine that's uh, going to make somebody up at, up front and a great line coach a really happy one day. I'm just wondering when somebody's going to ask him to kick a field goal. Yeah. Uh, what what does he not do? <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. right. Um, so real quick before we wrap this up, I've got uh, a couple questions in retrospect of your entire time at Memphis. So for you, looking back at players like Calvin Austin, Dylan Parham, uh, you've named a few others, but specifically about games, what was the one game that still haunts you, whether it be as as head coach or ed, as your time as an assistant, um, that kind of you wake up in cold sweats at, at, at night, you know, having nightmares about? What is that one game that will always kind of like grind your gears? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I sit there and look about – um, some of the things that occurred this past season, I think that we could have had, you know, if you want to talk about at Temple and, you know, fumbling the ball on, on the six inch line and then fumbling again on the eight yard line, um, that stuff makes you sick to your stomach because you feel like you'd be better, you know, at Tulsa this year, uh, not being able to make some kicks, being able to give up a big play uh, before halftime. That's the stuff that keeps you up at night. You know, the UTSA game, having the lead and not be able to do it. So it really is that three game stretch. Uh, Brooks this year that, you know, you start off 3-0, beat Mississippi State. Everyone's patting you on the damn back. Well, that didn't change our mentality. Uh, we worked even harder. And, and unfortunately, at that point in time, no excuses, no explanations, right? Poor ball security, uh, a slew of injuries uh, hit the Memphis football team, and we, we just got punched in the mouth. And, and that stuff uh, eats at you because I don't like to play the water shoulda, coulda game. Um, didn't get it done. It ultimately starts with me. But you sit there and say, well, all three of those games were winnable games. And, uh, you know, three and three, six and oh sounds a lot better than that three and three right there. And I think that's led us down the path. Um, but our guys that are back understand the importance of what we got to get done. We're going to learn from those mistakes. Um, but I, I look back at that stretch. Yeah, there are some games I, I still blame myself for parts of what occurred in the fourth quarter of the Cotton Bowl. Um, did we have a chance at the game? Sure. I hate losing any game. I, everyone says, well, great job in that game. No, we didn't win. So uh, we got to find ways to continue better and, and find ways to get back to that type of game. But, you know, I look about the, the, the stretch of this three games this past season that really make me sick to my stomach. Well, you you just partially answered the the flip side of that question is, what's that moment that will stick with you for the rest of your life that you will potentially – tell your grandkids about that you'll remember when you're, you know, reminisce on when you're 70 years old, what's that like exciting moment? I thought it might be the cotton bowl. Uh, but it sounds like that kind of like sticks a, a little thorn in your side. It's a combination, right? I mean, look, to think that my first game as a college head football coach uh, was in the cotton bowl versus Penn state. That's a unique story. And I'm very fortunate and honored. Like I said, I give credit to, you know, Mike Norvell uh, for allowing me and put me in this situation as well. And a credit to him. But, yeah, I mean, that's a memory I always have, for sure. Obviously, I hate the way that game ended. You know, I go back to what looked like on college game day around Memphis and how the city rallied around this place, um, Beale Street, and, and our fans showed out in full droves. 
you know, I won't forget uh, the win versus UCF. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it was only in front of 9,000 fans during a COVID year, but uh, to beat UCF in that fashion with the greatest comeback in, in program history to go out there and beat them on our home turf, I've been a part of some of those losses that have been quite hard for us. Um, and then you look back and say, okay, the beating Mississippi State, uh, the beating SEC uh, team, you know, a lot of people say, we don't care what the record looks like, just beat Mississippi State and they will do those. So there's some great memories. Hopefully we continue to create a lot more here. All right. So I'm going to throw this out there and you can say no, but as a part, we've got a ton of subscribers that are massive Memphis fans. They are just diehards. They're the people that are filling the stands at home games, traveling to away games. And we said, you know what? Let's throw it out there. Let's see if they have any questions for, for Ryan Silverfield. So if you're, if you're down, we can cut them if they're, they're bad. Or you can just say, uh, I plead the fifth. But I'm going to go rapid fire and ask you a couple questions direct from fans. You good with that? Let's do it. All right. I've, I have filtered some of these out. Uh, the first one is, uh, do you still have confidence that you can get the job done at Memphis? That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> All right. Um, so a lot of fans actually asked about non-conference games. They're very interested in the process and what you – you know, what role you have in scheduling non-conference games, especially like the games like upcoming against Florida State, some of the future SEC opponents, um, and and just how difficult that is and what fans can expect generally on the horizon. Yeah, I think that, you know, everybody says, well, we need to schedule this team, we need to schedule That sounds great. But when we pick up the phone to call a lot of people, they don't want to play. And, and I don't want to do it injustice to our fans and say, okay, hey, we're just going to go play a bunch of games. Yeah, we could probably go play Alabama. But guess what? It'll be hard to get Alabama to come back here and play us. Uh, we've tried to schedule some teams. I've tried to pick up a phone call Notre Dame. Uh, obviously, everybody knows about the game in Tallahassee versus Florida State in a couple of years. Uh, but unfortunately, right, we, it's hard for us to be able to get those teams to come back and play us. So that's why we get guaranteed money to go play those uh, away games. I think it makes sense always – play teams within the region. People always say, well, why did you sign up for Arkansas State? Well, I think it makes sense, right? Uh, we have the opportunity to bring our, our fans there. We can stay at home and then travel and play an away game, but also make it like a home atmosphere for us. It makes sense regionally rather than going and playing a team all the way across the country from a financial standpoint. Uh, we've got other teams, uh, as you guys know, Missouri still owes us a, a home game here. We have a future series with Arkansas. Uh, for those of us that will be around in 2030 and 2031, we got uh, home and home with Boise State. So all those things are, are we're looking ahead to, obviously with some conference realignment, things of that nature. There'll still be some stuff that's up in the air, but we're constantly looking, seeing how we can fill games. Um, first and foremost, we look to make sure it makes sense regionally and for our fan base. We want to play as many home games as we can. This upcoming season, we're going to have seven home games, which I think is huge and important for our fan base. Um, so I don't want to just sit there and say, okay, we're going to go play a bunch on the road. Uh, just to make money. So we're constantly exploring. Believe me, we're picking up the phone and calling as many people that we're trying to get to play us. Totally different question. But this question is related to off-season preparation. Strength and conditioning is where it's the foundation of your program in terms of development, um, explosiveness. It comes from putting up those big numbers. So from your perspective, on the outside, looking in, watching what these guys are doing 
in the weight room. How is strength and conditioning going from your perspective so far in the offseason? Yeah, it's, it's going quite well. I think Noah Franklin, our, our head strength and conditioning coach, and his staff have done a remarkable job with our guys. Uh, we work. And uh, look, everybody in the country talks about how their student athletes or young men are working hard in the weight room and on the field running. But uh, I know we're putting in the work. Our guys believe in it. Um, our players are willing to grind and do whatever it takes in order to get to that championship level. And so I've been pleased with it. You know, and like I said, the way you can tell is by how exhausted our guys are and how much work they, they talk about putting in. There's guys that have seen it from all perspectives. You have transfers that come from other schools and say, wow, uh, we didn't work this hard. And that's the stuff you want to hear. Uh, they're putting it in. You're seeing some of these guys' bodies change, uh, the composition, the muscle mass. Uh, some of these guys are getting faster already. But, uh, look, it's it's just the beginning of the offseason here in early February, mid-February. But we're going to continue to make strides as we head into spring ball next month and then into the summer sessions. Well, as you approach that March 20th date and you kick it off uh, with the Blue-Gray game, what position group are you most excited to see? I know as an offensive line guy, I'm going to tell you, you can't say that, but you you can. Uh, but which one are you most excited to see? Uh, and, and really, are you kind of almost have that nervous, uh, you know, energy and hope for? Yeah, look, I, you know, I think we obviously have a lot of new faces, a, new, a lot of different places, and but – I'm excited to see this new defensive scheme. I think that's really more than just saying a certain position group. I think just saying, okay, look, I'm excited to see, you know, guys like Quindell Johnson, how they're going to shine this new defensive scheme. Right, Greg Rubin back for another year. Uh, so the, the defensive backs, we got some veterans coming back, and I'm excited to see them. You know, some new face that linebacker that we're expecting to add, right? You know, guys that we add in the transfer portal. Um, but I think that we'll add, a, you know, Tyler Murray from Charlotte, right? Jeff Canton from Syracuse. You get Zay Collins back for another year. Let's see how those guys do. The maturation of Andrew Jones. Uh, really looking forward to that. And then the defensive line, whether we transition to play more four down. You know, let's see a guy like Mo Joseph and Ward Dallas Ducksworth. Let's see him pin their ears back and see if they're a little bit better. Uh, maybe impossible with some more four down front. So I think the overall defensive scheme is what I'm excited. Obviously, a lot of offensive faces that we got to continue to get better at. And just really the improvement on day to day is what I'm looking for. All right. So I got two more questions. Uh, this one is related to facilities. Are there any facility improvements or changes, upgrades coming in the near future that you can mention now? Yeah, I think one of the things we're adding is, you know, we got this beautiful indoor practice facility. Uh, we're adding a, an indoor video board. And the one things that they'll benefit us is not only just for recruiting and having uh, something that's nice to look at is we'll actually be able to use it for practice, right? For walkthroughs, they'll look up there and, and have live feeds of video, uh, be able to watch practice in real time with a remote. All those things will benefit us uh, in real time. It'll be great for events, all those things. Uh, but our facilities have become better and better and really top-notch, you know, the new turf field that we got out there on, on the practice field. Um, last August has been tremendous. and We're constantly looking to ways to improve this and the day-to-day for our players and our current student-athletes. Last question. When and where are you going to go on vacation? Good question. Uh, you know, uh, I usually spend about 99.9% of my time sitting exactly right here at this desk or one of the staff rooms, but 
I'll find time, uh, maybe when the players, before spring ball, when they go on spring break, to catch my breath and go somewhere. Uh, very fortunate. My wife does like to travel when time allows, but we both stay pretty busy. Uh, maybe this summer I'll go find a way to stick my fan, feet in the beach since I didn't get a whole lot of downtime in Hawaii. But uh, we'll figure it out. Well, Coach, people are watching this for you, not for me, so I'm going to let you close this out. If you have a message that you want to close on to Memphis fans, to college football fans watching out there, go for it. Yeah, appreciate it. First off, Brooks, thanks for having me on. And then you know, to all the Tiger fans, we're, we're so grateful for the support. Uh, I promise you we're working our tails off uh, to get this thing head back in the right direction. Uh, as we mentioned, back-to-back best recruiting classes of program history. The future is very bright. You know, having played 27 freshmen, redshirt freshmen last year, uh, we got a lot of guys that are itching and hungry to get back on the field and, and prove to Tiger Nation uh, the type of football program that we have. So we're very grateful for all the support. Continue to be loud and proud. Look forward to seeing you guys out there for the spring game and for this 2022 football season. Go Tigers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tigers and 20 Off the Boards. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a rating and a comment wherever you download your podcast. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, head over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are published daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for a VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. This is Sandra Herrera from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golazo Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. women's national team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the winter transfer window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.